Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. Also, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler will have a conversation with federal conservative egg critic Leanne Rood. And up first in today's country comment, we'll discuss this morning's Statistics Canada updated crop acreage report. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Statistics Canada released an updated crop acreage report this morning. I got the details from John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research. Yeah, probably, you know, I would say in summary, uh, not really any major surprises. There were some changes, but nothing that would be uh, particularly surprising, at least in terms of expectations coming in. Uh, you know, the biggest change was they added almost a million acres to uh, to canola, to, to 22, just but basically 22 and a half million acres. And in some ways, you know, again, the, the market was largely anticipating that uh, probably for two things. One is is their initial estimate back in April was really came in on the low side of what people were thinking. So probably a bit of an undershoot there. Uh, and then the other part of it, too, is is uh, just you know, the way the canola market has behaved since that initial survey was, was done, uh, you know, aggressive increase in prices. So certainly would have encouraged maybe a few extra acres around the margins as well. So, uh, uh, so you know, a sizable increase in canola acres, uh, but, you know, nothing that uh, is, is too surprising. Uh, probably the other change of, of maybe some significance is that barley was reduced a, a fair bit. And, uh, yeah, maybe in that case as well, one of those where, you know, maybe a little bit of an overshoot on their on their earlier estimates. You know, back in, in previously in, in April, they uh, they came out with uh, with a with a surprisingly high number for barley, and that one's walked back a little bit. So, so you know, in terms of absolute changes, those would be the two biggest ones. Again, not overly surprising. Maybe a little correction from a, a bit of a miss earlier, but uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, not too many dramatic changes for for most other crops. Uh, you know, maybe the other one that's of some note, not so much because it's a huge change, but uh, uh, in the case of oats, they, they did nudge their, their acreage number lower. Uh, again, not dramatically, uh, but maybe of just as some interest because the oat market does look pretty tight here going forward. And so even a, a small reduction in acres, you know, maybe we'll tighten that balance sheet up here a little bit looking ahead. So that's another uh, another acreage uh, adjustment that we uh, we got our eyes on. Just looking at wheat here, um, down 6.5%. Um, is that pretty much on track on, on what people were thinking or...? Yeah, that that is that is I think pretty much what people were were thinking in terms of the trade estimates coming in. Uh, not a big change from the previous estimates. Uh, the expectation was that uh, that wheat acres were going to be lower here this uh, this this coming year, and, and so that was kind of expected at the previous report. And, and their numbers were, were were relatively steady. A bit of a decline in Durham from their last estimate, but but spring wheat is is similar, and uh, uh, just a reflection of how. Uh, uh, as farmers are making their decisions, you know, kind of through last winter and in the early spring, uh, you know, wheat is, you know, just from a profitability perspective, maybe not quite as, as attractive as, as some of the other crops, things like canola or some pulses and even, uh, say, feed barley uh, and so forth. And so uh, wheat lost a little ground. But even within that, I mean, it's you know, it's still, you know, aside from uh, aside from canola you know spring wheat is the second largest crop in western canada it's a staple and so it, it loses a little ground but but still is is uh, of, of huge importance and and, uh, and a huge crop and uh, does a report like this will that have an impact on the markets or you know i i don't think so you know in the case of canola in fact you know we're aggressively higher here this this morning which might seem a little counterintuitive after stats can uh, adds a million acres into into production but but again i i would say you know it's uh, in the case of 
of, of canola, uh, a change that was expected. And second of all, you know, so let's something like canola. So let's just say, you know, they, they put in close to 5% more acres this, uh, uh, this morning, but, uh, you know, all eyes are on this forecast, extremely hot in Western Canada, dry, uh, and all it takes is, uh, you know, whittling down yield expectations, uh, you know, maybe a, a bushel and a half or two bushels just to basically negate the extra acres that they've added. So I think there's an element of, of looking at the forecast and seeing that uh, certainly that acres are, or, or production is down to kind of offset, you know, maybe that increase in acres. And the other part, you know, bean oil is up this morning and so forth, so yeah, within all that, canola was looking extremely tight coming into this year, and uh, that that doesn't really change a whole lot with this uh, this report this morning. Uh, and, and again, most of the other crops kind of similar to what what expectations were. But uh, you know, in the case of oats, it might be one where you don't see a huge reaction initially. But you know, if if dryness and so forth, if we whittled a little bit of yield off and we've lost a few acres, that's one that might start to show up in some some cash bids here uh, as we go down the road. But it might not be immediately. That was John Drieger with the Leftfield Commodity Research recapping this morning's crop acreage report released by Statistics Canada. Look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Statistics Canada released an updated crop acreage report this morning. John Drieger is with the Leftfield Commodity Research. You know, the biggest change was they added almost a million acres to uh, to canola to, to 22, just but basically 22 and a half million acres. And in some ways, you know, again, the, the market was largely anticipating that uh, probably for two things. One is is their initial estimate back in April was really came in on the low side of what people were thinking. So probably a bit of an undershoot there. Uh, and then the other part of it, too, is is uh, just you know, the way the canola market has behaved since that initial survey was, was done. Uh, you know, aggressive increase in prices. So certainly would have encouraged maybe a few extra acres around the margins as well. Drieger notes barley was also reduced a fair bit. The Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation has announced $5.5 million in grants to 12 Manitoba watershed districts for new land and water conservation projects. The revenue source for these projects is the province's recent $204 million investment in endowments at the Winnipeg Foundation. The Conservation Trust, the Grow Trust and the Wetlands Grow Trust have created new and permanent revenue sources for local conservation projects. Tim Sopak is CEO of Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation. This new money comes out every year because of the trust has helped those districts to double and in some cases triple their field programs. So it's really quite a significant increase in conservation activity and most of this is going towards keeping water on the land. And in a year like this, when we all have our eye to the sky wondering about when it's going to rain next, anything we can do to keep water in the land is a good thing. The $5.5 million in trust funds is matched by $6.2 million in funds and services by project partners resulting in $11.7 million of conservation activity in the province. And the Canadian Grain Commission has appointed Derek Bunkowski as the new Chief Grain Inspector for Canada. He commented on the role. It's a really important position being responsible for, for grain quality in Canada. I was raised on a farm uh, near Brunkill, Manitoba. I was actively involved on that grain farm uh, from a very young age up until about three years ago. My experience Farming and working in the private sector and working for the Grain Commission, it's all given me a lot of exposure to the different challenges faced by different people in the sector. The Chief Grain Inspector is one of the only positions specified in the Canada Grain Act. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. (music) 
Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, June 29th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Lendley Allen Vosser will chat with federal conservative agriculture critic Leanne Rood. With the House of Commons adjourning last week, Glendalee Allen Vosser caught up to Leanne Rood, the Conservative Party Shadow Minister for Agriculture and Agri-Food, to get her take on how things went. Leanne, uh, of course, what we wanted to focus in on, the House of Commons has adjourned for the summer. How do you think things went? We, we were able to see some good things happen for agriculture, thanks to some of my Conservative colleagues with some private member bills that they had put forward. Uh, so if we could talk about some of the positive things first, uh, Bill C-208, Larry McGuire's bill that will assist farmers and small businesses with succession planning when putting the sale of a farm uh, to children or family on the same tax footing as a sale to others. So this is going to really help um, with... Uh, not with farmers and farm families not having to pay extra capital gains tax. So this bill has passed with the House of Commons and Senate, and we're going to see that come into law really, really quickly here, which is great news for farm families. Also, Bill C-206 just passed the House of Commons, I believe, on Wednesday, on the last sitting day. And uh, that was by my colleague, Phil Lawrence, which was to extend the existing carbon tax exemption for farmers on gasoline and fuel oils uh, to include natural gas and propane for grain drying. So the bill is now in the Senate and we'll have to await to see what the Senate does with that bill. But that's great news uh, coming out of the House of Commons. Bill C-205 was John Barlow's bill to protect uh, farms from trespassers, farms and production sites from trespassers relating to biosecurity. So it was reported back from the Agriculture Committee to the House of Commons and is sitting at report stage right now. Now, one thing I'd like to mention about that, however, is that the NDP and Liberals voted in committee to an, on an amendment that essentially removed most of the teeth of that bill. So we hope going forward that we can see an amendment. I believe we've seen an amendment tabled to, to the bill that will help bring a little bit more of the teeth back to the bill so that it really does protect farmers uh, and, and farm sites and production sites from, from trespassers when it relates to biosecurity. Uh, bill C-12, which was a government bill, passed the House of Commons. It's now uh, gone on to the Senate. But, you know, that bill will actually put farmers at risk. It will reduce their ability to use fertilizers from nitrogen and natural, natural gas feedstock. So we are concerned about that bill. And Conservatives did vote against that bill. Clean fuel standard regulations, of course, we, we see that coming through right now. And there are still some concerns that I'm hearing from canola and corn producers. We're looking for clarity on qualifying feedstock for biofuels production. So we'll have to wait and see what the government does on that. We had some really great news and we welcome the announcement that beef producers worked really hard for uh, in um, getting our negligible risk status designation back on Canadian beef. And so that was really great news, but we're still waiting and producers are still waiting for um, the CFIA to adjust their regulations regarding specified risk materials. And, of course, the Grocery Code of Conduct. We still have the Federal Agriculture Minister working with the provinces to develop this, and we haven't heard anything come out of that working group yet, but we'll continue to push for that because we know that Canadians want to pay uh, fair prices for their food and they don't want to be gouged. Uh, the producers and farmers who supply grocery chains shouldn't be gouged by big grocery stores. So we're, we're waiting to see what will come out of that. 
Are there other issues of, of concern for you that we didn't see getting addressed during this session? Well, you know, the Agriculture Committee finished its business risk management study, and we reported back to the House some of the problems that we've seen with business risk management programs in respect of the reference margin and the whole uh, farm calculations to determine payment eligibility, among other things. And the response from the government so far does not adequately address these, nor the potential liabilities uh, to the treasuries of, of Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba. And so we're, I know discussions are still um, ongoing between the provinces and the, the Minister of Agriculture. So we'll have to see what comes out of that. And I know that the talks have now started for the new suite of business risk management programs uh, going forward. And so the consultations have begun and we'll have to see, you know, what, 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 what is addressed the House of Commons Committee on Agriculture also finished a food processing study and we reported back to the House that we've seen problems with inconsistent inspections and application of regulations by the CFIA. We've seen obstacles posed by the CFIA for opening new beef, pork, poultry and egg processing plants. We've also heard about the failure of the CFIA to protect the reputation of Canadian products such as honey in respect of imports and exports. And... Um, We've now begun a study on environmental contributions of agriculture and we've begun hearing witnesses and we've heard from some of the officials from the Department of Environment and Climate Change say that they would not give credit to early adopters of agricultural emissions reduction, including low-till, no-till and cover crops. And uh, nor farmers who maintain grasslands and pasture wetlands or shelter belts or farmers who engage in practices to increase the carbon in the soil. So that was very disappointing to hear uh, from officials on behalf of the government. We've also heard witnesses who urged the government to give credit to early adopters year over year for emissions practices and for maintaining their grasslands, maintaining their pasture and wetlands and increasing the carbon in the soil. And the other thing that we, um, we've heard from uh, some producers, not so much in the prairies necessarily, but in response to the quarantine requirements for our seasonal agriculture workers and temporary foreign workers, the, the budget has promised some money, but as of mid-June, they scaled back the, the amounts that farmers are allowed to, um, to qualify for by half, yet we still see quarantine in place. And so that is actually costing farmers again off their their, their bottom lines um, extra money because of the quarantine requirements that are that are in place. So um, we, we there's been a lot going on. We've had we've had a lot of good things passed. We've got some things that still need to be worked on, and we'll be looking forward to see uh, what what the government uh, proposes in in the fall. That's Leanne Rood, the Conservative Party Shadow Minister for Agriculture and Agri-Food. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Egg Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee allen Bossler, I'm Corey Knute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Egg Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. CFAM Radio 950 is hosting its Farmer Appreciation Lunch July 13th in Plum Coulee at the Harvest Christian Fellowship Church parking lot. It will be a drive-through event 
taking place 1130 until 1. The grand prize this year is a Meridian Green Max Hopper bottom bin valued at more than $20,000. Sponsors this year include ETG Commodities, Comb Egg Services, and Mandico in Plum Coulee. Farm Credit Canada is offering a free online workshop entitled The Modern Farm Family Transition. On July 13th, visit the FCC website to register. And the Canadian Cemental Association has moved its AGM this year online. July 24th, visit their website for viewing information. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon, we're joined now by provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. So grasshopper hatch is pretty much done. Um, our pest species all over winter's eggs, and they usually start hatching sometime in late May or very early June. Uh, this year it was likely more late May when the hatch was beginning. And uh, usually by late June the hatch is wrapping up and we've got some models that we've been running that predict just that. So what you see now is probably the population that's out there. Um, it's good to be scouting your field edges, your ditches, anywhere that had a lot of lush green vegetation last August and September when they would have been laying eggs. Uh, those are the areas where you're likely to see the greatest concentrations of grasshoppers right now. So good to be checking those areas, getting to just assess what those populations are like. And if by chance you do have a heavy population and some control might be needed, easier to do it when they're young than waiting till they're adults. And uh, we're seeing some reports here of um, alfalfa weevil as well. Yeah, so alfalfa weevil, it's a green beetle larva. They're legless with a black head capsule, and they feed on the upper part of the alfalfa plants. And a lot of times people don't even notice this until they start seeing what almost looks like a bit of a white sheen over the alfalfa, and then they realize, oh, there's a lot of defoliation and feeding going on. Um, They overwinter as an adult beetle, and they move in usually in early June, later eggs, and when we get into later June, that's usually when their larvae are getting towards full size, and that's when they can do a lot of feeding. So if you're growing hay either for uh, hay or, or growing alfalfa for either hay or seed, good to be checking it just to see how much defoliation is happening. If it's a hay crop and you cut it a bit on the early side, uh, these beetle larvae, they don't have any legs on them. They can't move far. So when the crop is cut, they either they'll desiccate or, or or starve to death. So early cutting is sometimes the best control for alfalfa weevil. Are we seeing some issues with aphids? I won't say issues. We're seeing aphids, and in particular, um, now there's many different types of aphids. We're seeing some aphids that feed on cereal crops. So there's a couple of species. There's the bird cherry oat aphid, and then there's the English green aphid. They're two different species. They don't overwinter here. They blow in, and they have been noticed uh, in cereals in the central and eastern region. So far, not at economic levels. Now, aphids can increase their populations really quickly and make themselves pests uh, just because of their quick reproduction rate. But how well they do that sometimes depends on how many natural enemies are there. If you have a lot of lady beetles, lace wings, hoverfly larvae, pirate bugs, damsel bugs, things like that, sometimes the aphid populations really don't increase all that quickly. Other times they can explode if you don't have a lot of those natural enemies. So just one more thing to keep your eyes open for. 
And a couple of other insects that were highlighted um, in the report, barley thrips and uh, cereal leaf beetle. Any Anything to mention there? Or? Yeah, so barley thrips, as the name might suggest, prefer barley. We don't see them too much on other um, cereal grains. There's an, another thrip called the grain thrips that we will sometimes see on uh, wheat and oats and rye. But barley thrips like barley. And usually you start noticing them at around the flag leaf stage. And when they can do their most damage is from that flag leaf stage until the barley has finished heading out. So that's when you need to be looking to see if you've got them. The easiest way is just to peel back the flag leaf and the leaf below it. Just peel it back from the sheath a little bit. And that's where you will find them. They, they're very tiny insects. They like to get right underneath those leaf sheaths, uh, between the, the sheath and the stem. So that's where you want to look for them. If you're finding any more than about 7 or 8 per stem on average, then that could be economical. And now we, we, we put a threshold in our update. It's actually a formula that you can work out because the, the true threshold is going to vary quite a bit depending on the value of your barley. Uh, malting barley is going to be very different than feed barley. So uh, we've put a threshold in our, uh, actually an equation that we've put in our update, and you can do the math in that equation and figure out what a more precise threshold is for your barley. That was John Gavlosky, entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Statistics Canada released an updated crop acreage report this morning. The biggest change was they added almost a million acres to canola. John Drieger with the Leftfield Commodity Research talked about another change. Barley was reduced a fair bit, you know, maybe a little bit of an overshoot on their on their earlier estimates. You know, back in, in previously in, in April, they uh, they came out with uh, with a with a surprisingly high number for barley, and that one's walked back a little bit. A Manitoban has been named as the new Chief Grain Inspector for Canada by the Canadian Grain Commission. Derek Bunkowski was raised on a grain farm near Brunkhild. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's my name that's being signed on the certificate finals when vessels are leaving the country to assure that the quality of the vessel is what it says it is. We have a large inspection team across the country many inspectors and there's training of those inspectors and and making sure that our work is being done accurately. There's a lot of work that goes into making sure our program is running smoothly in that regard, as well as setting our standards. That's the main responsibility of the chief grain inspector is to to make sure our standards of, of grain are appropriate. The chief grain inspector is one of the only positions specified in the Canada Grain Act. And the Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation has announced $5.5 million in grants to a dozen Manitoba watershed districts for new land and water conservation projects. The Assiniboine West Watershed District will receive $1.16 million, which is the largest grant ever awarded to a watershed district in Manitoba. Tim Sopak is CEO of Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation. When this program was launched, um, and we talk about GROW as an acronym, it stands for Growing Outcomes in Watersheds. The Assiniboine West District really took their bit in their teeth and uh, have uh, quite an array of programs and uh, have demonstrated they're able to provide incentives and other activities for landowners to, to deliver programs. So by quite a bit, this is the largest single grant that's ever gone to a watershed district in Manitoba. 
the manager tells me that they're probably tripling their program there now compared to two or three years ago. The revenue source for these projects is the province's recent $204 million investment in endowments at the Winnipeg Foundation. The Conservation Trust, the Grow Trust and the Wetlands Grow Trust have created new and permanent revenue sources for local conservation projects. The $5.5 million in trust funds is matched by $6.2 million in funds and services by project partners, resulting in $11.7 million of conservation activity in the province. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll take a look at this week's crop report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.